right, buckle up. Glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. We'd love to have you be a part of the program. Thank you for giving us this chance, this microphone every single day to counter what is the media mob in America. I mean, there was, uh, we're going to play pretty big portions of the president's little gaggle with the press. Look, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, well, well, where's the press secretary? I honestly think that Donald Trump is his own best spokesperson. And you know what? Sometimes he says, you know what? I'll do it myself. Um, certainly there is communication with the press more now with the president. seems like every time he goes to the helicopter, he is talking. We're going to get into all of that. There is a great fear that is emerging even more than we imagined in the Democratic Party. We'll have the latest on Tlaib and Omar and their fight against Israel. And why are congressional Democrats siding with them and virulent anti-Semitism? Why is that? There's never been a president of the United States that has done more to solidify this special relationship that we have with Israel, the only democracy in the region, than Donald Trump. You know, all these presidents in the past, what have they promised? They promised, oh, we'll move the embassy to Jerusalem, and they never do it. How many promised? They'll recognize the rightful property known as the Golan Heights. This president did it. This relationship has gotten deeper and deeper. And what's really fascinating, if you know a little bit of what's going on behind the scenes, this is something that really could be miraculous and historic on a level over time, not right away, that nobody has ever thought could happen, maybe even on our lifetime. And maybe it'll happen after our lifetime. But what's what's emerging is this real fear of Iranian hegemony. And this mathematical formula that I always talk about, A squared, B squared, C squared, when you have radical Islamic mullahs that chant death to America, death to Israel, burn the American flag, burn the Israeli flag, that continually threaten to wipe Israel off the map, that threaten the continental United States if, in fact, they get those nuclear weapons. If you marry together A squared, That type of insane radicalism, which is convert or die our way or the highway. Yes, we'll wipe you off the face of the earth. You have that radical ideology. Then you have the component B squared, which is nuclear weapons. Well, that equals in our own lifetime, a potential Holocaust. And that is the danger if radical mullahs in Iran get nuclear weapons. It is not overstated. It is not hyperbole. It could be a real world reality. And some may think, well, Hannity, you know, maybe you're going a little too far here. Um, Really? You don't think it can happen? How many tens of millions died under Stalin and communism around the world in the last century? How many were killed during the Holocaust? How many during World War II? Nazism, fascism communism, imperial Japan, whatever ism, you know, these ideologies exist. And we lost by most estimates, a hundred million human souls in the last century to these sick, twisted, ugly ideologies. Now, one of the things that would make this a very different equation is if you have nuclear weapons that are being used by extremists, whatever the ideology happens to be, to kill innocent men, women and children. An ideology that would allow a parent to strap bombs on themselves, walk into a public place, blow themselves up as as well as as many innocent people as possible and says, don't worry, you're going to heaven and Allah is going to give you 72 virgins. Those radical extremists. Yeah, that's dangerous. I don't think anybody has been as outspoken as I have been on the issue of radical Islam and the horrific discriminatory practices of countries practicing varying versions of Sharia. I I think nobody's been more outspoken about Saudi Arabia than yours truly. I mean, up to recently, women can't drive. Women are told how to dress, whether they can leave their house, must leave with a male relative, can't leave the country without a husband's permission. You know, gays and lesbians have been killed just for being gay and lesbian. Same thing happens in Iran and all these other countries. Other countries under Sharia, you know, marital rape uh, is not a crime. 
And then, of course, you have the persecution of Christians and Jews. You can't build a temple or a church in, in some of these countries under Sharia. And those values are incompatible to the values that we share, which are very simply that we are endowed by a creator with inalienable God-given rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's every American, this country. And we literally institute a government to protect those rights. But in the words of Thomas Paine, government and common sense, government is in its best state is but a necessary evil in its worst state, an intolerable one. History has proven that statement from 1776 from the great pamphleteer Thomas Paine to be absolutely accurate and true. Um, so we've got this controversy going on. Here's the only question I have as it relates to congressional Democrats. The Jerusalem Post had a pretty fascinating take on all of this. But I start with a reminder. We were probably one of the only shows that pointed out that, you know, with all the talk about the Russians influencing our elections, and I don't want Vladimir Putin messing with anybody's election, especially ours. And we can bring Putin to his knees, but we're not going to do it if we ever institute the new Green Deal, because the new Green Deal would eliminate oil and gas. We could literally make every American rich and raise the standard of living to levels that are unheard of if we would share the natural resources of oil, gas, coal that we have in abundance in this country that the radical left capitulating to radical environmentalists have prevented us from ever doing. We're now energy independent under Donald Trump for the first time in 75 years. Uh, even the even truck drivers are trained in the energy uh, sector and they're trained to do jobs at $80,000 starting pay with all the overtime they can handle and other high paying career jobs. If we would embrace this gift that we've been given in terms of America's natural resources. And in the meantime, if you want to invent, invent other ways and new energies, um, look, I'm all for it. I once read a, a book by an inventor and he claims that there's more energy literally tapped into the gravitational pull and that if we could ever tap into it, we'd have endless amounts of energy uh, at no cost whatsoever. Fine. If we can tap into that, let's let's do it. But until we can do something like that, it's it's oil, gas and coal. So but everyone upset about the outside influence of elections. Uh, OK, well, Barack Obama's election team, they went over to Israel, not this last election, the one before when Prime Minister Netanyahu was running and they tried to defeat Netanyahu and they even used State Department funds to do it. I think we were one of the few shows to actually point that out. So with all the indignation or selective, phony, fake, moral outrage of Democrats, well, that's what Obama did. find it interesting that I have not heard a single Democrat criticize Obama except for Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz was the only one that I know of. That when this picture emerged of Barack Obama and Louis Farrakhan, the virulent racist anti-Semite that he is, you know, they hid that picture all during the years of 07 and 08, all during his eight years of his presidency, comes out post-presidency. And I don't think a single person ever asked, why, why are you smiling in a picture with a known at the time, virulent, hateful anti-Semite and racist? What are you doing there? Nobody asked him, just like there was only one question. I fed it to George Stephanopoulos of any ma major media outlet on the issue of Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers back in the day. But I'm watching today and I'm I, 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 I'm a little stunned at what the Democratic Party is doing, seemingly siding with Tlaib and Omar in this fight against Israel. Now, if I'm Israel and Somebody like Omar, who goes, well, it's all about the Benjamins and Israel has hypnotized the world and may Allah, blah, 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 expose their evil deeds. And, you know, then makes fun of the way Americans say Al Qaeda after Al Qaeda killed nearly 3000 of our fellow countrymen. Nothing funny to me about any of that. Then you got Tlaib and she wants to boycott Israel and is comparing Israel and that boycott to the boycott of Nazi Germany. I'm like, will somebody please take the entire squad over to Auschwitz 
and over to the concentration camps because they keep making these not Nazi analogies that are just total BS. Do they not know what happened in Auschwitz? Do they not know what happened in real concentration camps? Or are they just being ignorant or just trying to score cheap political points? Just like as they made the comparison to the detention centers. But they've been trying to attack the president's words when he said Jewish voters in America vote Democratic or disloyal, meaning he clearly meant disloyal to the cause of Israel. There's never been a president more supportive of Israel than Donald Trump. Never in the history. And it's resulting in this added benefit where now the Israelis, the Americans, that's us and the president and General Al-Sisi, who I did have an opportunity to spend a lot of time with. He's now part of this coalition. King Abdullah of Jordan is part of it. The Saudis are a part of it. The Emirates are a part of it. And all of them see what I just said about A squared, B squared, C squared. We can't let these radical Islamic mullahs in Iran that believe in convert or die, that want to wipe Israel and the U.S. off the face of the earth, get these nuclear weapons. That alliance wasn't possible years ago. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm watching, you know, the, the coverage in all of this. The Jerusalem Post points out that Israel's ambassador to the U.S. is now persona non grata. Well, there's no better ally than Ron Dermer and Bibi Netanyahu uh, to the United States of America. You have Democrats telling the uh, Jewish telegraphic agency that Ron Dermer's role in the banning of these women that are clearly anti-Semitic from visiting Israel, which, by the way, they offered on a humanitarian basis a visa to Congresswoman Tlaib. But Dermer's the Israeli ambassador. What did he do wrong? Uh, nothing. You know, uh, did everyone forget that Obama uh, didn't allow a member of the Knesset into the U.S.? Did we forget? You know, there's always there's no reciprocity on the side of the the liberal Democrats. It's it's all that selective moral, moral outrage. If it's Donald Trump in Russia, then it matters. If it's Hillary in a phony Russian dossier used to influence the election, no, no, doesn't matter. If it's Trump obstruction with no underlying crime, uh, that's that's everything. If it's Hillary's subpoenaed emails, deleted, bleach bit, hammers, devices, all that, then they don't care. If it's Kavanaugh, let's bludgeon him, but let's ignore the charges of rape and violent sexual assault if the guy's a Democrat lieutenant governor in Virginia. You know, it's just all of this is selective moral outrage on their part. If you can use it to bludgeon Trump, bludgeon Trump. If you can't, don't talk about it. So it's clear that it's not the issues they care about. It's the political weaponization of all things anti-Trump, but it's all backfiring. And this cast of characters are just, you know, disintegrating before our eyes. Like Barry Farber used to say, it's like Alka-Seltzer, you know, under Niagara Falls. It's just bubble and fizzing and it's going to just evaporate away. I mean, poor, sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe is not going to make it when his own wife said, well, I know you're going to probably have to swallow hard if you want to vote for my husband. Uh, okay. And he doesn't know the decade in which Martin Luther King Jr. and and Kennedy was killed. Oh boy, that's a problem. On top of not knowing that it wasn't Michigan, that it was El Paso. He got he even got date the Dayton shooting, the El Paso shooting. No, that's Houston and Michigan. No, it was El Paso and Dayton. And it gets worse from there. Uh oh, and his brain surgeon came out and told us everything's okay. Well, that's comforting. So not only will fellow Democrats um, not condemn Omar and Tlaib's anti-Semitism, which we now know is rampant and virulent. The House Majority Leader, Steny Hoyer, well, he's mad because Ron Dermer, the ambassador for Israel, appeared to assure him that Tlaib and Omar would be permitted to visit Israel. Um, And by the way, Tlaib was given a humanitarian visa if she wanted it and then decided after begging for it not to take it. And this is where a top congressional staffer says, oh, that's it with Israel. That's the nail in the coffin. That's it for Dermer. What's what's saving Dermer from what would have been an unprecedented humiliation, a formal condemnate? What, they're going to condemn him, but not Tlaib and Omar. Have we gotten that twisted in this life? I mean, his counterpart, David Friedman, the ambassador to Israel, uh, what, they're going to go after him, too? What happened to the Democratic Party of Joe Lieberman? Honestly. 
You know, so much from the fake news media. There's the magazine uh, newspaper called The Forward, a leading voice in the Jewish community. Um, doesn't have any tolerance for anti-Semitism. They're not buying this big Democratic lie. Now, an op-ed for the magazine The Forward declared that the silence of the Democratic Party in the wake of yet another act of Omar and Talib that exudes the odor of anti-Semitism. The left can no longer excuse its anti-Semitism. That's from the forward. Let me tell you something. That takes a that that is a a a shift, a change. Where's Chuck Schumer for crying out loud? You know, where are guys like Elliot Engel, Jerry Nadler? Where are they? This is this is outrageous to me. I mean, you have uh, Representative Zeldin said Omar and Talib all about weakening Israel, our number one ally in the Middle East. It's all about the Benjamins, baby, according to Congresswoman Omar, and Israel has hypnotized the world. All right, let's go to the double standard issue, shall we? How is it there's a picture of Barack Hussein Obama with Louis Farrakhan, the single biggest racist anti-Semite in the country? They're both smiling. Now, they hit it from the American public. All throughout the election season, I understand it was taken, according to the Jerusalem Post in 2005. Why did they meet? Why did he ever start his political career in the home of Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers? You know, we have the uh, Jerusalem Post pointing out that in a new video published by Screwy Louie, the virulent anti-Semite, he's saying that Harvey Weinstein, Jeffrey Epstein committed their crimes because they felt entitled by Jewish law. And he said, did you know the, that pedophilia, homosexuality, sex trafficking is the word of the Talmudist? Now, Talmud is sort of what, the Old Testament. What was said wasn't the Old Testament, but what was said about it by the people at the time. Now, there's never been a president that has been more pro-Israel than Donald Trump. And but the, the Democratic Party used to be a party that supported the state of Israel. Apparently, I think the forward is right. The silence is deafening. And, you know, on Talib and Omar, and don't forget, Talib wrote for Louis Farrakhan in his magazine. Has anyone asked why that happens? How is it Donald Trump gets all the questions about these things? You know, I, I mean, what are the policies that they're endorsing that they would support? You know, anti-Semite Louis Farrakhan claimed that the Talmud permits sex crimes. That's a lie. That's not true, what he's saying. Um, and now we've got the, the second leading Democrat in the House taking aim at the Israeli ambassador, Ron Dermer, who's been nothing but a friend and an ally in the best sense of the word. And why is it if we're all upset about, oh, those people that want to impact foreign elections, nobody seemed to give a flying rip that Obama's team went to Israel to try and unseat Benjamin Netanyahu, probably the one guy up until Trump that had was the sole voice of moral clarity on the world stage, a truly Churchillian figure. How do you explain all of that? It's unbelievable. Again, can we bludgeon Trump? Doesn't matter as long as we can bludgeon Trump. You know, I'm uh, I'm watching a lot of things as it relates to the 2020 race. And it's really interesting that, well, you know, the media, they we went through this whole history, how they've spent two and a half years lying, patting themselves on the back. The New York Times, Washington Post, ABC, NBC, CBS, fake news, CNN, uh, conspiracy TV, Rachel Maddow, Roswell, Rachel's MSDNC. They're not even a news. That's not a news channel. That's a conspiracy hoax channel. We have a leaked transcript I've been telling you about from the New York Times town hall, their executive editor, Dean Baquette, admitting, quote, we built our newsroom to cover one story and we did it really well, truly well. OK, the story turns out two and a half years later to be a total hoax. They've advanced two and a half years. Again, this is what they devoted their entire news team, their entire newsroom, their entire news staff to cover one story because they wanted to take down Trump and the same thing with the Washington Post and the same thing with the big three networks and the same thing with two cable channels, not a newsroom in the country that got this right. 
Now we're beginning to see with the revelations every single day exactly what really did happen. The only thing the New York Times finally got right really late in the game, suggesting, oh, the the dossier was probably Russian, knowingly uh, Russian uh, misinformation from the beginning. Well, if the New York Times is right and they say, okay, that the Clinton bought and paid for Russian dossier was Russian disinformation from the beginning, that would mean that the Russians, the hostile actors that they are, the hostile regime under Putin, uh, that they were, in fact, knowingly given Hillary information that would help her win. The exact opposite narrative that the media has been telling you all of this time. If the New York Times is right on that one issue, but rather than admit that they're wrong and put out a correction and it should be a front page, top fold, big letters. We were wrong. We're sorry. We'll do better. That's not going to happen. Nope. Actually, they're just moving on to the next set of lies, misinformation. And what they've decided to settle in on and forget that the last story was bogus, one big lie. Now they want the American people to buy into the next lie. And he says, we're going to regroup the New York Times. Now we're going to focus our entire newsroom, as he said before, use all of our energy, all of our time. They were pushing wild, baseless accusations wrong every single time. And uh, won't admit they're wrong, but, you know, him saying, you know, we built our newsroom to cover one story, but now it's time to move on, regroup, shift resources and emphasis. Now we're going to do one one different story. Oh, so now all the resources will go to a different story. Well, the bold new angle from The New York Times is all about accusing President Trump, every conservative, every Republican of racism. They, they, they literally saying it publicly where they're headed. That is what they're now going to bludgeon Donald Trump with. This is now they didn't get what they wanted from the FBI investigation, the House Intel investigation, the bipartisan Senate investigation, the Mueller report, the Mueller testimony. So now they're going to, okay, let's let's say we did a great job and we got everything wrong. And now let's just switch and divide the country along racial lines. Let's accuse every every Republican conservative, the president of racism. I've talked about this history and I've outlined this history on radio and TV for years, every two and four years, never changes. The only change now is it's every second minute hour of every day. You know, we'll go, they go story to story. It's Russia, Russia, collusion, collusion, impeachment, impeachment, asshole, asshole, stormy, stormy, you know, racist, racist. That's that's what they do. Well, the New York Times is nothing more than a propaganda arm of the Democratic Party. And they got caught. They're admitting as much. Their one singular focus and goal is a smear campaign against all things Donald Trump. And if you look at this, you know, radical group of 2020 Democrats, they get a free pass from everyone in the news media. I mean, you're watching sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe melt down every day. I mean, he didn't know what decade Martin Luther King and, and Kennedy were killed in. He got the Just wrong like decade. Just like my generation, when I got out of school, that... Uh when Bobby Kennedy and Dr. King had been assassinated in, in the 70s, uh, late 70s, when I got engaged. Um, 60s, you know, up to that Joe. time, remember, there were not, none of you women will know this, but a couple men may remember. That was a time in the early, late 60s, or the early 60s and 60s, where it was drop out, go to Haight-Asbury, don't get engaged, don't trust anybody over 30. I mean, Oh, Joe 30330. He's a walking disaster. He's supposed to be the experienced, confident front runner in this crowded field. Every Democrat now is freaking out about how bad this is. And the poll numbers are now beginning to show it. I mean, look at one disaster after it. You can't go to a 7-Eleven or Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian access, uh, accent. Hey, wait a minute. No, my my state was a slave state. We're not no northeastern liberal state. Of course, I can get votes. And I come from a slave state. Wow. For the first time ever, you have a African-American who is bright, articulate and clean. That's storybook, man. That's all sleepy, creepy. I mean, and it goes on from there. And he then he brings out his brain surgeon yesterday to say, no, he's actually fine. Because he had these brain issues back in a couple of operations, whatever, on his frontal lobes. And then his wife says, well, you're going to have to hold your nose. I know 
What kind of endorsement is this for a candidate? Listen. Your candidate might be better on, I don't know, health care than Joe is. But you've got to look at who's going to win this election. And maybe you have to swallow a little bit and say, okay, I sort of personally like so-and-so better. But your bottom line has to be that we have to be Trump. Yes, I know that not all of you are committed to my husband. Um, and I respect that. I want you to think about your candidate, his or her electability, and who's going to win this race. I know if you want to, I know you're going to have to swallow hard to vote for my husband and suck it up. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is that a campaign slogan? Is that an endorsement? You know, David Axelrod, I think, nailed it. This is the best Joe's got. He's not going to get better. And the idea that you're going to hide him is not going to this big confab because they're afraid he's going to make mistakes. Remember, poor kids are just as bright as white kids. We'll accept truth over facts. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry about your mom dying. Oh, your mom didn't die. Oh, stand up, Chuck. I mean, and I can keep going on. We've done this. This is not. And on top of it, what does this party stand for? They've all bought into the insane new green deal, some version or another person has bought in the most seems to be Kamala Harris. I mean, no oil, no gas. Everything's free, 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 guaranteed job, vacation, retirement, health care. But you can't buy your own health care, according to Kamala. Eliminate oil, gas, combustion engine, eventually get rid of cows and planes. Are you kidding? That will lead to the most uh, the single fastest depression. And an economic and wealth meltdown in the history of mankind and bringing out crazy Uncle Joe's brain surgeon to reassure America when he performed surgery on the senators after the senator had two brain aneurysms. And is you know, is that's it is absolutely certain uh, Biden has a brain that is functioning. That was his quote. That's almost as bad as, yeah, I know you're going to have to swallow hard if you want to vote for my husband. Uh, That's not exactly the best endorsement. And by the way, that's from his wife. You think maybe get a little more support than that. And Democrats now, there was a Politico article, they feel there's going to be a wipeout. All the irredeemable deplorables that cling to their God, guns, Bibles, and religion. You know, we smelly Walmart Trump people. Well, Politico's now beginning to see something emerge, and they wrote, quote, Democrats are hoping to climb out of the deep hole in rural America. Well, now they're all basically saying they want to take our guns also. Obama lost rural voters by 17 points, 23 points in 2012, and rock bottom arrived in 2016. Clinton, 34 points behind Trump. So you got your big city voters. OK, they'll go out in mass in states like New York, California, New Jersey and Illinois. Fine. Those states aren't in play. But I don't think the rest of America is going to sit out and wait for this new green deal that will alter any chance of prosperity, freedom and success that we can ever have in this country. How does a candidate not remember the decade when Kennedy and King were assassinated? Good grief. That's it. That's chilling. Okay, Elizabeth Warren, she's trying to apologize for her decades and decades use of this false narrative and lie that she's Native American. And she benefited as a result. And they printed it everywhere she worked as a result of it. I'm like, serious? You can get away with that? You know, and uh, oh, and joke, by the way, apparently we have our own Lawrence Jones has been uh, following Sleepy Creepy all day today. We're going to have it on Hannity tonight. That ought to be interesting. Um, Elizabeth Warren's in trouble. What do we got? We got the angry Bernie Sanders, the original socialist. Are they going to now move to Mayor Pete? Are they going to start begging Michelle Obama to get in at the last moment in the hopes that she can save the country from Donald Trump? Um, I don't think so. And I look at the rest of what this party stands for, and it's not looking good. You know, we've been following what's going on in these big cities. All these cities run for decades by liberal Democrats. It's basically one party rule. Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, New York, New Jersey, except for when Giuliani was in. Bloomberg was always a Democrat. Um, 
We have the police union in New York now advising the NYPD police to stop being proactive in the wake of the Garner case decision. They, 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 look, I knew martial arts. It's a technicality. A chokehold is very different from a headlock. It was not a chokehold, but putting all of that aside, you want to know why that really happened and shouldn't have happened? The guy is selling individual cigarettes. Okay? Self, uh, what do they call them? Selfies or solos or something? What do they call them, Linda? When they sell so, the one cigarette. Anyone in there know? None of you know. You don't know what it's called. Whatever. So they sell, they open a pack of cigarettes. You're supposed to only sell it by the pack. And he's selling Lucy's. Lucy's. That's all right. So the police union. Now, why is New York City using their resources of police officers to arrest a guy that's selling a single cigarette? Why? That's so stupid to me. You know, we've got more important issues to worry about in New York than some guy selling a cigarette. Maybe the guy selling, you know, drugs and and heroin and cocaine and fentanyl. Maybe that's a little more important. But those are the rules and laws that they make the cops enforce. So ridiculous. That was a waste. That that never should have happened. But they have to do their job. They can't pick and choose what laws they want to enforce and don't enforce. If then they do that, then they get in trouble. You can't win for losing. That should never have happened with that man. Leave him alone. I couldn't believe that's what they're arresting him for. And I'm not blaming the cops. I'm bl- and I know the guy, re- it's never going to be pretty when somebody resists arrest. This was something that could have been prevented by not having government, just a big hand of government chopping down on, you can't sell individual cigarettes. Who gives a flying rip if he sells an individual cigarette? Leave the guy alone. Shouldn't have happened. Blame the government and their idiotic, you know, it's they're imposing. No big gulps, no salt on the table, no Lucy cigarettes sold. We really need a nanny state like that? No wonder people are leaving New York, San Francisco, L.A., Chicago, all these big cities in droves. Sad what happened in that case. It was unnecessary, preventable. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, David Schoen, Ami Horowitz, Bill O'Reilly all coming up. You know, because the media so distorts this president, um, we on this show feel it's important you get to hear from him directly. Reserve whether or not they finally get smart and reduce interest rates like many other places around the world that we have to compete with. But our economy is the strongest in the world by far. Nothing even close. And a lot of good things are happening. We had some very good retail numbers this morning, as you saw. And I guess the stock market is quite a bit up. So, good. Are you, are you demanding that Jay Powell lower interest rates? No, I don't demand it, but if he used his head, he would lower them. Uh, in Germany, they have a zero interest rate. And we do compete much stronger than Germany, but we do compete with Germany. In Germany, they have zero interest rate. And when they borrow money, I mean, when you look at what happens, look at what's going on over there. They borrow money. They actually get paid to borrow money. And we have to compete with that. So uh, if you look at what's happening around the world, Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve have totally missed the call. I was right. And just about everybody admits that. I was right. He did quantitative tightening. He shouldn't have done that. He raised interest rates too fast, too furious. And we have a normalized rate, you call it that. And now we have to go the other direction. We'll see if he does it. If he does it, uh, you'll see a rocket ship. You'll see a a boom. If he does it, we have a very strong economy. But we could have, we could be, we could be in a place that this nation was seldom at if we had interest rates cuts by the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve has let us down. They missed the call. They raised them too fast. They raised it too high and they did quantitative tightening. They shouldn't have done the tightening and they shouldn't have raised them to the extent. We could have had some raises, but nothing like they did. Oh, I have an appetite for background checks. We're going to be doing background checks. We're working with Democrats. We're working with Republicans. Uh, We already have very strong background checks, but we're going to be filling in some of the loopholes, as we call them, at the border. 
And speaking about at the border, it would be really nice if the Democrats would indeed fix the loopholes because it would be really nice. But despite that, I want to thank Mexico. They have 26,000 soldiers at our border. and They're really stopping people from coming in. So what happens is uh, with background checks, we're dealing with Democrats, we're dealing with Republicans, we're dealing with the NRA, we're dealing with gun owners, we're dealing with everybody. And I think we're going to have something, hopefully, that's meaningful. No, I didn't say anything about that. We had a great talk with Wayne yesterday. Didn't say anything about that. We just talked about concepts. Wayne agrees things have to be done also. And we have areas where we can close. And for instance, we did fix NICS last time. We have a lot of we have a lot of background checks right now. Gun owners can tell you that, others can tell you that. But there are certain weaknesses, we want to fix the weaknesses. And I think that'll happen. Let's see what happens. I'm concerned that no matter what we agree to, when we get there, I'm concerned the Democrats will say, oh, well, we now want this and we want, and you know, it's a slippery slope. And that's what actually your gun owners and a lot of other people are concerned with. But assuming that that's not going to take place, by the Democrats, assuming they really want to get this done, we can get it done. We're speaking with AMVETS today. Organizers there say they remain concerned about veteran suicide. You gotta speak up. Veteran suicide, AMVETS says it's their top priority. Talk with me about what the administration's task force has done since its creation. Well, we're doing a lot having to do with veteran suicide. Uh, we have uh, a task force that's set up. There's a product that's made right now that just came out by Johnson & Johnson which has a tremendously positive, pretty short term, but nevertheless a positive effect. I've instructed the head of the VA to go out and buy a lot of it, and we are buying a lot of it. Hopefully we're getting it at a very good cost. And this is a, I guess it's a form of a stimulant where if somebody is really in trouble from the standpoint of suicide, it can do something. It's pretty well known, just came out. It's made, I believe, by Johnson & Johnson, and we have calls in now to Johnson & Johnson. Those calls, we've been dealing with them for two months on buying a lot of it. Mr. President, can you explain your decision not to go to Denmark? Is it really because they wouldn't talk about selling Greenland? No, Denmark, I looked forward to going, but I thought that the Prime Minister's statement that it was absurd, that was a, it was an absurd idea, was nasty. I thought it was an inappropriate statement. All she had to do is say, no, we wouldn't be interested, but we can't treat the United States of America the way they treated us under President Obama. Uh, I thought it was a very uh, not nice way of saying something. They could have told me, no, this is something that's been discussed for many years. Harry Truman had the idea of Greenland. I had the idea. Other people have had the idea. It goes back into the early 1900s, but Harry Truman very strongly thought it was a good idea. I think it's a good idea because uh, Denmark is losing $700 million a year with it. It doesn't do them any good, but all they had to do is say, no, we'd rather not do that, or we'd rather not talk about it. Don't say what an absurd idea that is, because she's not talking to me. Excuse me. She's not talking to me. She's talking to the United States of America. You don't talk to the United States that way, at least under me. Now, President Obama, when they wouldn't land, let him land in the Philippines, when they treated him so badly at so many places, the Philippines is one that comes to mind. That's different. That's different. They can treat him any way they want to. That's up to him. But they can't treat the United States with a statement, how absurd. Let your wife do it. Thank you, Mr. Who, who's the boss? Who's the boss? I am the boss. I agree. She's the boss. I agree. Go ahead. Got a lot of people. Yes. She's got a lot of people watching. Go ahead. Anyone who wants to buy a gun, go through a background check. What's wrong with that? Well, what we're doing is I want guns to be in the hands of people that are mentally stable. And those people, I want them to easily be able to get a gun. But people that are insane, people that are sick up here, I don't want them to be able to get a gun. So a background check is a good idea for anybody who wants to buy a gun. Wouldn't a background check if be a good idea? If a person is sick, if a per person is mentally ill, 
if a person has done things in their past that are a horror, like in the case of Dayton, except it got expunged because I guess he was 17 years old when he wrote a list out and the list said it was a death, not about guns. He had a kill list and he had a rape list, but it was 17. And one of the things we're talking about is getting rid of the age limit. He was 17, so when he turned 18, it was expunged. So we didn't find out about that. And a big percentage of the school, the parents wouldn't let their kids go to that school because they heard about it, okay? It was a very big thing. When he was 18, it all went away. We can't let that happen. A hundred people a day die from guns. Do you see that as a public health emergency? I do, I do, yeah, I do. And they die for a lot of other reasons too. But uh, they do. And as I've said, I think I've said it very loudly and plainly, and I don't think I've changed positions at all. We're working on background checks. There are things we can do, but we already have very serious background checks. We have strong background checks. We can close up the gaps. We can do things that are very good and things that, frankly, gun owners want to have done. But we also have to remember the gun doesn't pull the trigger. A person does. And we have great mental illness. Go ahead. The Justice Department plans to adjust off the HRAP Brown law and prosecute the Antifa demonstrators under the law that makes it a federal crime. We're looking at, right, we're looking at a lot of different things relative to Antifa. Antifa, in my opinion, is a terrorist organization. You see what they've been doing. We've had great support on that. We're looking at various different things. Go ahead, behind you, behind you. Are you looking at any additional lands for potential expansion? No, we're just looking. Greenland was just an idea, just a thought. But I think when they say it was absurd and it was said in a very nasty, very sarcastic way, I said, uh, we'll make it some other time. We'll go to Denmark. I love Denmark. I've been to Denmark. And frankly, we'll do it another time. Respect has to be shown to the United States. Go ahead. Uh, yesterday, yesterday you said that, that Jews, American Jews who vote for Democrats are disloyal. To whom are they being disloyal, sir? And that's a well-known anti So I have been responsible for a lot of great things for Israel. Uh, one of them was moving the embassy to Jerusalem, making Jerusalem the capital of Israel. One of them was the Golan Heights. One of them, frankly, is Iran. Iran is a very far weakened nation right now, much different. Hopefully something works out. We'll see if it happens. It happens. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. No president has ever done anywhere close to what I've done between Golan Heights Jerusalem, Iran, and other things. Excuse me, wait a minute, wait a minute. No president has done what I've done. We have a group, I call it AOC plus three. You could call the person Representative Talib. You could say Representative Omar. You could go any way you want to go. Uh, they are anti-Semites. They are against Israel. She had a plan to greatly embarrass Israel by going there with the the fact that she wanted to see her grandmother, I assume that's true, I hope that's true. But it was very bad, very bad. The things that she and others of that group and other Democrats have said, and they have become the face of the Democratic Party. And I will tell you this, in my opinion, the Democrats have gone very far away from Israel. I, I cannot understand how they can do that. They don't want to fund Israel. They want to take away foreign aid to Israel. They want to do a lot of bad things to Israel. In my opinion, you vote for a Democrat, you're being very disloyal to Jewish people, and you're being very disloyal to Israel. And only weak people would say anything other than that. I haven't heard anybody say that, just the opposite. I think that if you vote for a Democrat, you're very, very disloyal to Israel and to the Jewish people. Uh, well, I'm at 94% now in the Republican Party, the highest in history, the highest of any Republican. So uh, I think they'd have a hard time.
That was outsmarting Obama. So Russia outsmarted President Obama. They took over during his term, not during mine, Crimea. They took over Crimea. If you'd stop being an organ of the Democrats, I mean, you know, you'd let me answer the question. I'll answer it very easily. It's a very simple question. The fact is, President Putin totally outsmarted President Obama on Crimea and other things, including the red line in the sand, all right? He outsmarted, he made a living on outsmarting President Obama. And frankly, because of it, Obama was upset and he got Obama out of what was the G8 into the G7. It's come up. Should we put Russia back in? We spend a lot of time talking about Russia at those meetings, and they're not there. I think it would be a good thing if Russia were there, so we can speak directly, not have to speak all the, you know, by telephone and other things. So, here's the thing. It's a vote of what's now the G7. They were taken out because Putin outsmarted on Crimea, on the red line, on other things. Totally outsmarted Obama. Obama was upset. They took him out. I think Russia should be a part of it because we're looking for world peace and it's and other things, trade and other things. And it would be a lot easier to have Russia in where they had always been. All right, more of the president's presser on the other side of this break. You know, it's amazing when you hear the president in his own words answering questions from a hostile and frankly ignorant news media that is, you know, I, I don't know how he stands in front of these people every day knowing that, oh, you lie about me. You lie about me. You've lied about me. You spread uh, the hoax, the conspiracy theories. And um, but he does it. And I guess nobody defends Donald Trump better than Donald Trump. Uh, and that's why I think it's so pivotal, so important that we get to hear from him in his own words. We'll come back. We'll pick this up on the other side. Uh, reminder, this whole issue of Tlaib and Omar and really a Democratic Party. Look at Obama. Obama tried to unseat Bibi Netanyahu. Nobody ever talks about that. How, how is it? I thought we weren't supposed to be involved in other countries' elections. Well, they were, just like Hillary was involved with Russia, buying Russian lies, and it doesn't matter to the left. They only use information like that and show outrage if it's Donald Trump. So we'll get to the other side of this. We'll get to the president this press conference. Uh, then we'll check in with David Schoen, Ami Horowitz coming up. Bill O'Reilly's coming up today. I've got a copy of his brand new book, too. Uh, and much more. we got a great Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News channel as well. All right, 25 now until the top of the hour. We go back to the press conference with the president uh, gaggle that took place earlier today. This is fascinating to watch the president and how he handles the media. Uh, then we got David Schoen, Ami Horowitz on the issue of Tlaib and Omar and the president rightly pointing out the Democratic Party's not supporting the state of Israel. Historically, they used to. Neither their silence about Omar and Tlaib is deafening. The fake news, of which many of you are members, is trying to convince the public to have a recession. Let's have a recession. The United States is doing phenomenally well. But one thing I have to do is economically take on China, because China has been ripping us off for many years. President Clinton, President Bush, and President Obama and others should have done this long before me. My life would be much easier, although I enjoy doing it, but my life would be much easier if I just said, let China continue to rip off the United States, all right? It'd be much easier, but I can't do that. We are winning against China. They've lost two and a half million jobs in a very short period of time. They want to make a deal. It's got to be a deal that's good for the United States. Where they want to make a deal, probably we will make a deal. But if I didn't do that, and I'm not doing this, somebody said it's Trump's trade war. This isn't my trade war. This is a trade war that should have taken place a long time ago by a lot of other presidents. Over the last five or six years, China's made 500 billion dollars. 500 billion. Ripped it out of the United States. And not only that, if you take a look, intellectual property theft. Add that to it. And add a lot of other things to it. So somebody, excuse me, somebody had to do it. I am the chosen one. Somebody had to do it. So I'm taking on China. I'm taking on China on trade. 
And you know what? We're winning because we're the piggy bank. We're the one that all these countries, including the European Union, wants to rob and takes advantage of. European Union, $200 billion. China, more than $500 billion. Sorry, uh, I was put here, I was put here by people, I was put here by people to do a great job. And that's what I'm doing. And nobody's done a job like I've done. Now, would China rather wait for a little more than a year and try and get sleepy Joe Biden to negotiate with instead of President Trump? Maybe, but I don't think so. You know why? They're losing too many jobs too fast. They had the worst year in 27 years, but I think it was actually 52 or 54 years. The worst year they've had in a half a century. And that's because of me. And I'm not proud of that, but you know what? They want to negotiate. And Sleepy Joe doesn't have a clue. Sleepy Joe said, oh, China's wonderful. Well, China is wonderful for China, but I'm wonderful for the USA. Well, we'll meet it sometime, but the prime minister used a terrible word when describing something that we've been talking about for years with our country. President Truman said, what about Greenland? And he talked about it very openly, and it was a big deal at the time. And I brought it up again, and it was discussed many other times. And I thought it was not a nice statement the way she blew me off because she's blowing off the United States. And we've done a lot for Denmark. We've done a lot. I know Denmark well. I have many friends from Denmark. I have many people from Denmark that live in the United States. And we treat countries with respect. She shouldn't treat the United States that way by saying, what an absurd, she said, absurd. That's not the right word to use, absurd. Louder. Well, if you remember, President Obama had separation. President Obama built the cells. He built the cages that you people always talk about and attribute them to me. President Obama in 2014 built those cages. And you were very embarrassed when the New York Times, as usual, and others put a picture of a cage and they said how bad Trump was only to find out that it was President Obama that built those cages. So President Obama had separation. I'm the one that brought them together. This new rule will do even more to bring them together. But it was President Obama that had the separation. Well, we're being very strong on the border. You see the numbers are way, way down. I want to thank, I want to thank Mexico for that. Uh, the United States could make your question, could make that problem go away very easily if the Democrats would meet and we could fix the loopholes and asylum, which is what you're talking about to an extent. But let me just tell you, very much I have the children on my mind. It bothers me very greatly. People make this horrible 2,000 mile journey. One of the things that will happen when they realize the borders are closing, the wall is being built. We're building tremendous numbers of miles of wall right now in different locations. It all comes together like a beautiful puzzle. But one of the things that's happening when they see you can't get into the United States or when they see if they do get in the United States, they will be brought back to their country. It won't matter if they get in or not because we're doing that. Uh, they won't come and many people will be saved and many's, many women's lives will not be destroyed and ruined. Okay. I'm not looking at a tax cut now. We don't need it. We have a strong economy. Uh, certainly a payroll tax cut. President Obama did that in order to artificially jack up the economy. President Obama had zero interest rates. I don't have zero interest. I have real interest rates. And despite that, I have a strong economy. President Obama did two payroll tax cuts. And despite that, I have a much stronger economy. And if you look at my numbers from November 9th, you look at them, November 9th to present, the stock market is up over 50%. This guy is the most biased reporter, NBC. 
You know, I made a lot of money for NBC with The Apprentice, and I used to like them, but they are the most biased. Peter is such a biased. You should, you should be able, you should be able to ask a question, same question in a better way. You are so obviously biased, and that's why the public has no confidence in the media. Go ahead, give me. Go ahead. No, Joe Biden doesn't have it. Let me let me just tell you about Joe Biden. Joe Biden doesn't have it. You said that the mass shooting happened in Toledo when it happened in Dayton. So is that fair game? Joe Biden doesn't have it. Go ahead. What did you think about the leadership of the New York Times waiting for a racist scenario? Well, I think the New York Times now has totally lost credibility. Uh, they've given up on the Russian collusion delusion. And now what they're doing is they're trying the racist deal. And that's not going to work because I am the least racist person ever to serve in office, okay? I am the least racist person. But the New York Times, they're trying everything they can. It is a totally dishonest newspaper. It's a paper that really has lost tremendous credibility. And let me tell you, in six years, or maybe 10 or maybe 14, right? In six years, when I'm not here, the New York Times goes out of business very quickly. And you know who else goes out? Like NBC News. NBC News has less credibility, in my opinion, with guys like you than CNN. I think CNN has more credibility than NBC News. Did you hear what I said? I said, you have more credibility than this guy. Go ahead. And that's not saying much. Because I don't think you, I don't, you know what? You know why? Because I don't think you have very much credibility. But, but I will tell you this, NBC, I think, has less credibility than CNN. That's not saying much, but that's the way I feel. You're focused on mental health issues. Yeah, mental health, very important. other countries have seen levels of mental illness, but not the same gun violence problems. You really deny this incredible access to guns in the United States. There are many, many things in play. People are talking about videos. People are talking about lots of different things. But we do have a way of bringing what we already have, because we have many, many, as you know, we have many, many um, people that are unable to buy guns right now. Many people are unable to buy guns. We have background checks, but there are loopholes in the background checks. And that's what I spoke to the NRA about yesterday. They want to get rid of the loopholes as well as I do. At the same time, I don't want to take away people's Second Amendment rights. I don't want to take away the Constitution having to do with gun ownership. And you know, we can't let that slope go so easy that we're talking about background checks, that all of a sudden we're talking about, let's take everybody's gun away. People need weapons, unfortunately, for protection. So that word slope, that is an NRA talking point. No, it's a Trump talking point. You, you approve one thing, then another thing, then another thing, then all of a sudden you're on that slope and all of a sudden, nobody has any legal protection. We have a Second Amendment. Let me just tell you this. We have a Second Amendment, and our Second Amendment will remain strong. Go ahead. Jeff, go ahead. Emergence of ISIS in Afghanistan, and is that affecting your decision making at all? Well, you know, at a certain point, Russia. Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Turkey, they're gonna have to fight their battles too, okay? We wiped out the caliphate 100%. I did it in record time. But at a certain point, all of these other countries where ISIS is around, they've been decimated, by the way, badly decimated. But all of these countries are gonna have to fight them. Because do we wanna stay there for another 19 years? I don't think so. So at a certain point, other countries, and that includes Russia, and it includes Iran, and Turkey, and Iraq, and Afghanistan, and Pakistan, and India. Look, India's right there. They're not fighting it, we're fighting it. Pakistan is right next door. They're fighting it very little. Very, very little, it's not fair. The United States, we're 7,000 miles away. We have decimated ISIS. You haven't been hearing much about ISIS. And we took the caliphate 100%. When I took it at 98, I said, all right, maybe we go home now. Let these other countries handle it. Everyone went crazy. They said, do 100%. 
They said it was going to take a year. It took me a month. And they're gone. The caliphate is gone. And by the way, we're holding thousands of ISIS fighters right now. And Europe has to take them. And if Europe doesn't take them, I'll have no choice but to release them into the countries from which they came, which is Germany and France and other places. Because we found, we, we beat them. We captured them. We've got thousands of them. And now, as usual, our allies say, oh, no, we don't want them, even though they came from France and Germany and other places. So we're going to tell them that we've already told them, take these prisoners that we've captured, because the United States is not going to put them in Guantanamo for the next 50 years and pay for it. It's moving along my deadline. They know. I did. I went to the hospitals. I, I will tell you this. I went to the hospitals. It was totally falsely reported. There were beautiful, beautiful, very sad, you know, horrible moments, but they were beautiful moments in the sense that these people, the families, and also the people that were so badly injured that I was with, they, they love our country. And frankly, you want to know the truth? They love their president. And nobody wrote that. Nobody wrote that because you didn't write the truth. New York Times doesn't like to write the truth. But but they love, they totally love our country and they do love our president. So when I went to Dayton and when I went to El Paso and I went into those hospitals, the love for me and me maybe as a representative of the country, but for me and my love for them was unparalleled. These are incredible people. But if you read the papers, you... It was like nobody would meet with me. Not only did they meet with me, they were pouring out of the rooms. The doctors were coming out of the operating rooms. There were hundreds and hundreds of people all over the floor. You couldn't even walk on it. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to happen.